You're about to watch a great interview on TYT interviews. If you wanna watch them live, members are the only ones who get to do that. TYTnetwork.com slash join, become a member, enjoy the interviews as they happen. All right, we got a fascinating interview for you guys today. His name is Noah Kerner, he's the CEO at Acorns. But wait till you get a load of all the different things he's done in his life. Noah, welcome first of all to the Young Turks. Thanks for having me. Yes. We're gonna talk about Acorns, how that helps millennials and everybody else and what it is in a sec. Uh, but you, you, you've led a trippy life, so <laughs> so I want to talk about that a little bit first. Yeah. Um, so before we even get to that, can I ask you how old are you? Because you've like now led like what seventeen or twenty eight companies, thirty two companies. Okay, all right. I'm older than I look. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Is that, I don't know, you look really young. You look like you're in your 30s. Yeah. And I see on your resume like 700 companies that you've run. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, you were a DJ for Jennifer Lopez? I was, uh-huh. as, as a kid. So I was like 14 when I got turntables. And I grew up in the East Village in New York City. And, and you know, it was, it was a hip hop time. Um, and I was obsessed with that culture. And I just like, I knew I had, you know, friends who started getting into it and it wasn't a trendy thing at the time. It was really hip hop culture, um, which I always recognized like I was an outsider too, but I was just, I thought it was really interesting. And my, uh, my, my dad got me turntables when I was 14. Uh-huh. I locked myself in my bedroom for two years and just started practicing and practicing and practicing. And before I performed anywhere publicly for anyone, including my friends who thought I was going to be terrible, you know, yeah. um, I wanted to be great. So it was two years. It was like seven hundred some odd days every night till four in the morning. Um, of, wow! Of practicing, you know. Okay, so I get it now. That's how you get to be good at something, right? You do the work, <laughs> right? Uh, and so, did you know Jenny from the block, or do, how did you meet J Lo? Well, so I was doing nightclubs in New York City early. Uh-huh. You know, as a young, I mean, sixteen started doing that kind of stuff. Um, I started working with some artists, but but started by doing their parties and events. Uh-huh. And uh, and then I, I I did a few events for 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 Jennifer and and then they asked me to be her DJ and her band you know so it, it, so the, by the way the band was like the best musicians in the world so it was it was the musical director for Michael Jackson and Madonna was the keyboard player uh-huh. uh, the drummer was from Earth Wind and Fire you know the bass player Stevie Wonder it was like these incredible and then so this like Jewish kid you know white Jewish kid from uh-huh. the East Village comes into the into the rehearsal studio. Um, and I, I was very quiet. I recognized I was walking into a room with all these legendary people. Um, and I had my little bag of records and they were practicing and, you know, went to the turntables really quietly, set it up. And the drummer was playing a little bit. And I just quietly started cutting, uh-huh. you know, over the drums. And they were like, oh, like, who's this kid? You know, right. started, and then we just started. And that was, that was the beginning of it. Um, and how old were you then? 22. You're 22 and you walk into this like call of fame yeah. uh, situation. Oh, that's yeah. what, you know, I, I know we're over focusing on this, but I'm fascinated. I've always wanted to ask, like, I don't even understand DJing. So what do what you do? That? What were you doing for 700 hours there? What were you practicing? Scratching. Just scratching. Beat juggling, scratching. So that all thing, that's like yeah, yeah. You it's practice not, that not, for not, not the knobs and the fist pumping. Uh-huh. It's real, real scratching and beat juggling. And it, 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 it's an instrument. I mean, it's, uh-huh. and, and you think about like, think about a percussionist. It's a, it's, it's percussive. So like, uh-huh. being in a band with an artist, like there's a period where I would cut, scratch, uh-huh. you know, over eight bars or sixteen bars, just like a percussionist would play percussion, and so it adds that flavor 
that's hard to get. It adds a sort of grittiness and, you know. Right. Um, uh, listening to me is concussive, so I could understand. Concussive, like, right. right. Yeah. So it's a little similar. Okay, so um, how did you jump from being a DJ to starting up businesses? So I started my first company senior year in college. It wasn't like they, they, they were happening in parallel, these kinds of things. Uh -huh. Like DJing was a, what a, what a kid, for me, it was like what a kid would do when he's enterprising. You know, uh -huh. so it wasn't like jumping from this to the other. It was, I started working when I was 16, uh -huh. you know, in nightclubs and things like that. And then, right. I, then I went to college and it, at, at, in senior year wrote a business plan for my first company. And that was, um, but I did DJ, you know, for part of the years where I was working. Mm -hmm. So I would work from eight to like eight and then from 10 to four in the morning, I would be on the turntables and I would sleep n never. Uh -huh. And then, and by the way, that's, you know, like uh, working 16, 18 hours a day, that's part of the gig. Like I, I, I was like, I always hear about this sort of entrepreneurial thing and, be, right. you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Like you're going to kill yourself and that's part of the thing and be prepared for that. Yeah, I'm also familiar with that. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> uh, so uh, now, look, I want to ask you about that first business, uh, but if, for you guys who haven't heard of Noe's top 30 under 30 in Billboard magazine, Fast Company named him an innovation agent, Adweek's top 20 under 40, and the list goes on and on. So what was the first business? The first business was the first hip hop one-stop shop on the web. So uh -huh. it was like at a time where if you weren't in New York, Chicago, LA, maybe San Francisco, you couldn't get anything in hip hop culture. Mm -hmm. So we said, let's let's deliver all of this through the web. And it was during the dot com, sort of that dot com era. Um, and that you know that that was like cutting my teeth in entrepreneurialism. Like I'm 21, I'm 20, you know, getting into 22, raise some money, start this thing, have an office, hire you know hire people, do everything wrong you could possibly do. And that that for me that was like that was MBA. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. On the streets. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I've been there too. Yeah. <laughs> making all the mistakes, etc. Yeah. So um, now, did you start noisy for Vice? So I had an agency called Noise. This is uh -huh. where it gets a little confusing. Yeah, that yeah. Was the, the third or second company, uh -huh. um, and we were a product development and marketing agency that focused on the young adult market. But we worked with everyone from Facebook and Vice to Chase, Intel, GE, probably 100 to 200 companies. So we did work with Vice to build Noisy, the first version of Noisy. Uh huh. Um, which okay. Was, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because we're. It, like you have, I keep obsessing about it because you have like the resume of an 80 year old. But uh, all right, one last one before we go to Acorns. Um, you were the first chief strategy and marketing officer for WeWork. Yeah. And how long ago was that? That was 2000, that was the beginning. So 2013, there were two buildings, you know, uh -huh. and then so an old friend of mine had started it. I had just, I sold my agency and, and I was at the end of the contract with the company that acquired us. And Adam Newman, who who was one of the uh, co-founder, um, and I had known each other for a long time, and we had talked all the way along, like while he was starting it, about you know working together and also building a digital version of WeWork and bringing people together online, and and you know how all this community thing things happen. And he came to me toward the end of the thing, and he was like, "You should join, you know, you should join us," and uh, and I did. I mean, I believe there are things I care about deeply, and I sort of hit a point at like. 32, where I said, creating things and, and, and building is, is, and the fun part is not enough anymore. Like I want to have an impact. And I felt like WeWork, which was, which is basically a platform for entrepreneurs, you know, we call it a community for creators, but it's, it's really about helping entrepreneurs. I felt like that was a noble pursuit, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, 
So that was really early, it was early on, it was literally two buildings. When he first told you about it, were you like, oh, this is gonna work? Or were, were you like, oh, let's give it a shot? He had such a kind of tenacious vision for it. Um, I mean, I, I was in the, so the first, so this is before I got involved, but I was on sitting with him on when they had one floor in Soho. Um, and when he got his first check, his first investment, and we were sitting there, it was me and him and his wife, Rebecca, and um, his co-founder actually, and they got their first check and they had such a vision for it. And it wasn't just like building we work around entrepreneurialism. It was the concept of community in the world, you know, going into different categories and building community, which is a, we live, you know, in fitness, all this stuff. How does community bring people together in all these categories? So there was such a big vision that I felt like, you know, this kind of has to happen. It also felt like the next, like we were in that sort of I generation from Apple. Right. And so the movement to, to a we generation, you know, felt like a, it felt like what was gonna happen. Yeah. Were you the genius who came up with the idea of free coffee at we workspaces? I was not. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. I think it's a fairly uh, normal idea, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, uh, Young Turks use a, a couple of offices mm -hmm. in, uh, so it's a good product. That's right. That's yeah. right. So now at the end, I want to get to more of the secrets to success. Like, okay, so hard work is clearly one of them. Yeah, we talked about that. I want to talk about a couple more, but let's go on to Acorns. So, yeah. what is Acorns? So we started as a micro investing app, which you know, which is the, the the thing that is best known for is you connect your bank account, you connect your your credit and debit cards, and every time you make a purchase, we round up the purchase to the nearest dollar and invest a spare change for you. So like if, you know, if you go to Starbucks and you buy a cappuccino for mm -hmm. $3.50 or whatever, I don't know what the, you know, we round it up to four and we take the 50 cents and we put it into a portfolio, a diversified portfolio for you. That was how we mm -hmm. started. Um, so that almost sounds like a charity for yourself, which is, which is what we need, it right? Is, it is. Especially I, in these times. Yeah, I mean, our, we're, we're trying to build the first financial wellness brand overall. Like the vision for Acorns is to build a financial wellness system that enables everyday Americans to save and invest every day. Um, so, we, so we started with spare change. And it's like, the thing that's powerful about that is it's this thing everybody has and you can relate to it. You have it in your pocket, you have it in your cup holder, in your car, in your couch. So everybody has it and you don't really feel it it's just a little extra when you're buying your cup of coffee or buying your lunch or whatever. Um, and that, that was where we began. And then from there, we're, I mean, you know, we, we've gone into a lot of other areas of financial services, but everything we're doing comes back to how do we help you save and invest more for, for a better future and, and really focused on everyday Americans. And you think about the financial services industry, it's really focused on people who have a lot of money. And there mm -hmm. hasn't really been at least as far as, uh, as I'm concerned, a, a financial institution built from the ground up for everyday Americans, which is most Americans. Yeah. You know, like my parent, you know, I mean, right? Like looking after their best interests and- um, Yeah, there's not a lot of Rockefellers who are worried about the 37 cents uh, right. extra that, you know, so it's by almost by definition for the average American, right? Right, right. So of course the main question people ask is, oh, come on, does that really add up though, the 37 cents at a time? Hmm. It's a good question. Actually, it adds up to $32 a month. Mm -hmm. But that's the beginning. On average. On average, just uh -huh. the roundups. Uh -huh. But that's the beginning. So the next step is to do an automated recurring investment. So you can add another $5 a day. And it's just totally automated. It happens in the background. You can make a one-time investment when you have extra money on the side. Um, you can Now you can set up a Acorns Later, which is a retirement account, and you can contribute regularly. So it does add up if you commit to it. You know, It really does add up. And the, the thing about small change or, or you know extra amounts of money is when you, the, I mean the key there and Warren Buffett talks about this all the time is compounding. 
Right. So if you start early, start at 18, 19, 20, and you really commit to doing $5, you know, $5 a day by 65 or 60, you know, you, you, you really can have over a million dollars with, with interest rates and things like that. So, so, um, but it's, it's a simple way to just set yourself up for a better life later on. Right, um, and yeah, it is the magic of compounding interest. And, and so uh, whenever anybody sees how much interest piles up, they're always amazed by it. Yeah. They're like, and so if all you do is save the, the change, it's still way better off than not doing it. Yeah. So, um, well, then let me give you a plug. How do you do it? What's what's the the app or what, what do you do? But by the way, so to that to that point, yeah. la, we do a, every year we do a research report called the Money Matters Report. Last yeah. year, twenty five percent twenty five percent of Americans, or millennials specifically, didn't save a dime, and fifty percent didn't invest anything. So getting started is the key, you know. And it's so easy with Acorns. It's like five minutes to get started. Um, so, so you, you know, we have, it's a, it's an iOS app, it's an Android app and there's a web app. You can, you know, you can choose. So you make the purchases through the app and the app automatically puts the change into your account. No, you, so you, you connect your bank account, you link your cards and then we see what you're purchasing. And then we round up the purchase in your dollar and actually pull the money from your bank account into Acorns. So it doesn't, Uh so, so for instance, if you're using your credit card, it doesn't increase your credit card bill. We pull it from right from your bank account. Uh Uh-huh. So. Okay, so you connect the credit cards and bank account to the app. Yeah. Right, so then it does it automatically yeah, and yeah. you don't have to yeah. do anything extra at the point of purchase. No, you don't have to do anything extra and you don't, you really don't feel it. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's why it's so important. Like, people, people we're, we're all bad at this. Uh huh. Just everybody is, you know, basically bad at it. And, and, and you might be surprised at how bad I am at it. But well, I was too. I mean, right. I, I'm, you know, so, so, so it's like, it's, it's really helpful to have something that does it for you. Um, and where you don't feel it, you know, because we, we 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 all need money to live and stuff like this. So it's just a little bit, a little bit. But so it how many? Out. I'm curious. How many people have done this so far? Three point eight million. In no, the, in, in the U.S., three point eight million people have already signed up. Yeah. Are you doing a ton of ads? I think I asked you this before when we first met. We do some. I mean, it's you know, honestly, like our, our perspective is let's get as many people using this as possible because it's uh-huh. good for people. Uh-huh. But most of it's word of mouth, um, and you know. I'm. I feel like an evangel. I, I feel like a real evangelist for this because yeah. I know how good it is. You know, so it is a business, and we are building a business, and we have a business model. But it, like, I wish I had acorns when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Right. I wish my parents did too. So let's go back to the millennials and how they don't save. Um, no, like that. To me, that makes sense because they don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just. Um, so I remember two guests in particular that I had. Uh, one is Lane Easton. She was running for governor, uh, and she talked about how she bought a house in um, in Northern California um, for what was it, thirty five thousand dollars, and it's now worth one and a half million dollars. Right. She put down a down payment of ninety dollars. Right. Right. That's uh, a down payment of ninety dollars. That's right. right. And Ray Dalio, uh, the hedge fund manager, yeah, yeah uh, in how they bought a house. His dad was a jazz musician, and they bought a house in Long Island. Yeah. There ain't no jazz musicians buying houses in Long Island now, yeah. right? Yeah. There ain't no $90 payment down payments for houses yeah. now. Yeah. So is it fundamentally different for this generation than it was for the older generations? Fun- fundamentally different, um, and it's a, it's a tough time. I mean, you know, so, you, so, so in, ter- in terms of real estate uh, and ownership, that's lower than it was for generations past. Payments on mortgages 
later than they than they were in the past. The, the amount of debt people graduate with is way. You know, I think I think something like. I think they did the study last year, but the average person is graduating with $35,000 in debt, and then there's credit card debt, and then there's spending habits. So people today are spending more and wages are flat, if not down. So it's a really difficult time for people, and especially young people. Um, and unemployment, by the way, unemployment, you know, I mean, you saw the unemployment yeah, rate today yeah. is at three, some 3.9, 3.9. But, but for millennials, it's up, I think it's 15% or upward, uh, upwards. So it's a very difficult situation. Um, so, and a lot of them aren't saving, so, you know, saving and investing for, for, for later on in life. And by the way, you don't have the safety nets of pensions and, and social security and things, at least there's a feeling that that's not going to be there. So it's a very tough time. So the thing is you kind of need to take it upon yourself to, to, to start setting yourself up. For, yeah. For later. You know, people say something, they're worried that social security might not be there. And I get that. And that, and it's a legitimate fear, but if they, if the government's, Besides take away Social Security, there's going to be pitchforks in this country. There is, there is. Yeah, that's not going to. I mean, that's not going to happen without a fight. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, you said something in there that uh, really struck a nerve with me, and and was kind of enlightening. Yeah, we always talk about student debt on the Young Turks, and that's a huge issue. Yeah. But you know, and I know that their millennials are not saving enough. But when you connect the two, of course, how would they save? They uh, they already owe, right? Yeah. They they owe so much. Yeah. Like the previous generations had the GI Bill, and it just didn't cost as much to get an education. Yeah. So with that albatross hanging over your neck, I mean, does it even make look like I'm gonna keep it real? Does it even make sense to invest yeah. if you're paying interest on the money you owe? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Of course, I see what you're saying. I, I, I we we take the position that it makes sense to put some spare change aside for later. But you should be paying down your debt, and you should be focused on paying down your debt. And by the way, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into. We'll be in every area of financial services because again. Everything you do in your financial life, how much you've borrowed, how much debt you have, all those things come, comes back to how well you save and invest. But you should. I mean, you should be doing a little bit, I think. Yeah. And I, again, maybe that's why Acorns has taken off because like, it's so hard to put away money for in savings when you got to pay down the debt and you're not making that much in the first place. But the change, you can do the change. And but, like, but, it's but, a good start. But by the way, also, so we have partnerships with. 250 brand, 250 plus brands today. Some of them are loan refinancing brands. And the beauty of Acorns is when we partner with a, a company that does your does loan refinancing, so you can cut it in half through this company. They also invest $100 into your Acorns account as a reward for signing up. Oh, so that's nice. Yeah, so we've got also all these partnerships that help with these different issues. Um, so there are there are benefits like that, you know, like like that. Um, also, we partner with like everyone from Nike to Apple to Zappos to Airbnb, everybody. So wherever you're spending, those if you're an Acorns customer and customer and you and you spend with those companies, they invest into your Acorns account as a reward for shopping. So we're trying to help you also earn extra money, and that's actually a, is a big focus for us because the number one reason people don't save and invest enough is because they don't earn enough. When you think about the financial services industry at large, and this is this was like one of those light bulb moments. For me, the one thing they don't help with is income. Like your bank doesn't help you with your income. I mean, you know, it's right. A, so we're 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 fo- again getting back to how do you help save and invest? One of the ways is to help you earn some extra money. One of the ways to do that is to help you earn some extra money from all these places you shop. You know, even mm-hmm. though we say don't don't overspend, obviously. But if you're gonna spend, if you're gonna gonna buy something from Nike, yeah. Nike's gonna invest five percent into your of the purchase into your Acorns account. Well, that's that's smart. That yeah. that makes sense for everybody. So. Uh, now back to uh, 
keys to success. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you've been successful in a, bu a bunch of these ventures that, that you've uh, been involved in, very diverse, different things from DJing to business. So work super hard, I got that. What else? Curiosity, mm -hmm. um, being open, listening, you know, to being being aware of everything happening. I think I think that's fundamental. I say that to everyone in the company. Curiosity is like to me is hugely important. Um, it, connections, you know, it goes. I, I I mean, I always encourage people to network just because because the more people you know, we can get something done in a month or in a day that would take someone a month because they don't have the relationship. So just constantly trying to work on building that network. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, just pause for a second. So when I was in law school, we had a, uh, a guy who was a little bit older than us in his 40s who had come back to, to law school. He's a really good guy and he'd go around telling everybody, whatever you do, meet everyone here. Don't worry about your classes, okay? Just meet everyone because these guys will run things and you're gonna need them later. And we were too young and we're like, ah, Jerry, get out of here. What yeah, do you yeah, know, yeah. right? We're gonna go play basketball, we're gonna have some beers, yeah. et cetera. And he was totally right, half those guys were CEO somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was, for me, that was the biggest benefit of college is like, all these people I know, I went to, I had the for, good fortune to go to Cornell, which is, you know, a good school. And, and like everybody I, I'm friends with from there is doing it. Uh oh, Cornell. Just, didn't Ann Coulter go to Cornell? I, <laughs> did, I you, did you meet her there? I didn't meet her there. No, no, <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think Bill Maher, Keith Oberman, a lot of talk show hosts went to Cornell. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, so my friends are like, you know, so, so you have that now. So I always, you know, say um, networking and connecting with people. Um, those to me are, you know, are the are the key things. I also think having courage. I love the word courage. Mm -hmm. Is like standing up for what you believe and going after it and getting it and 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 not backing down. You know, I think that's really. I think like everyone doesn't need to be an entrepreneur. This whole kind of obsession with that is weird to me. Mm -hmm. um, but having the courage, having courage in your convictions, um, and going after the things you care about. Maybe that's your number two or number three in a company. Whatever, it, whatever it is, you're, you know. But, 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 but have courage. I, mean, I think. All right, yeah. uh, it's a good way to sign off to, as Dan Rather used to do at the end of his newscasts. He'd just say courage to end <laughs> the broadcast. So Noah Kerner, uh, CEO of Acorns, Acorns.com. Check it out. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate All it. All right. Nice Absolutely. If you liked the interview that you just watched, I got great news for you. If you become a Young Turks member, you can watch them live as they happen. Only the members get that. You also get Young Turks live. You also get Aggressive Progressive live and Old School live. Everything is available for the members and commercial free. tytnetwork.com slash join.